Look at my butt. Show number 229 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Track. All right. Good boy. Well, it's Sunday afternoon. It sure is. After, after a very exciting series of days in yes. which many, many, many things yes. happened. As I was saying before we started, I don't remember where last we left off. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was a cliffhanger. <laughs> it was. I think it was um, after we'd finished the corn maze and we were trying to drive to the con. Okay. So that was it. Oh, so but so much has happened. It, it has, but we could even work backwards a little bit and say, we just put together a robot. Yes. And we're waiting for it to charge its battery, and then it's going to do whatever it's going to do. Um, we'll see if it does what it's supposed to do, which is to wash a window. Yeah. It could wreak havoc on this apartment. We don't really know. Yes. Um, we are testing it once it charges by having it wash my shower door. That's right. Yeah. And if that is a success, it's going to be doing the balcony doors. Yep. So we'll see. So that's our big experiment for today. Yes. Is doing a robot. I'm so, and it is so comforting to me to have you here <laughs> while we attempt this thing. So we did that. And before that, we had breakfast and we went for a walk. And yesterday was the con, amazingly enough. Yes. So that was uh, loads of fun. And by now, you will have seen all the photos that got posted to um, the Look at His Butt Facebook group. So... Um, it was, we were not able to stay at the hotel where it was. Because I screwed well, up. Well, I screwed up this whole thing. <laughs> Let's be honest. I screwed up tickets. I screwed up hotel. And I screwed up connecting with John Tenuto. Well, he never wrote back to you, though. I know, but I did. I wrote to him like seven weeks ago saying, you want to get together? And he said, yeah. And then I, I just left it until like yesterday well, morning. And still. <sighs> anyway. It all worked out totally fine. And in fact, I'm, I was glad we were staying at the Marriott because oh, it, was much it was a much nicer hotel and the pool was fantastic. And no one else was and in there. There was it. nobody else there. And the hotel was not filled with other people for the convention. So it was quiet. There were a few, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't crazy. Yeah, it was very, very nice. And it was right across the street. Yeah. yeah. So it worked out fine. It worked I think out we great. may even want to stay there. From now on, rather I, than go yes, to the uh, the Westin. The Westin. I think yes. so too. Although the, there is a good restaurant at the Westin, um, where we had our lunch, and they have really good food there. And yes. it turned out that the bar in that particular restaurant was the Starfleet bar, <laughs> because everybody was there. There were Starfleet officers and aliens and Klingons. Everybody was having a drink during the con. And we had just watched um, Trouble with Tribbles, <laughs> and so you know there they were in the Starfleet bar. And at yeah. first we thought we were in the bar. Where Kirk meets a real. real, yes. But then the Klingon showed up, and we were pretty sure there was going to be a fight. Yeah, and, and fortunately there wasn't. There wasn't. But Maybe later, but not while we were not there. Not while we were there. So No one was thrown across our table, <laughs> or to be more accurate, threw himself across our table. <laughs> and sort of scrabbled to get across the table. Yes, yes. Scoot a little um, so let's see. Uh, so this was the second time we'd been to this con at this hotel. Mm-hmm. And there was stuff on Friday with lots of personal appearances. And so the big event on Saturday, of course, was Bill. That's what everybody was waiting for. And Saturday was sold out. Yep. Bill photo ops were sold out. Bill autographs were sold out. He was the big, huge mm-hmm. appearance yep. here. And interestingly enough... 
I don't believe any of the other still living uh, main TOS people appeared at this con. Uh, uh, Nichelle was not there. Right, she was somewhere else. Uh, Chekhov, Koenig wasn't there, and Takei was not no, there. No, you're right. I, I hadn't thought about that till just now, but you are absolutely right. Mm -hmm. It was just him. And he is really making the rounds of all the oh, 50th anniversary. Incredible. Every weekend, I think. He's doing cons all the time. Mm -hmm. In addition to all the other stuff he's doing, which of course we heard about because he took the time to tell us his schedule for the next week and a half. And, and what he had been doing in the past week. And it involved international travel yes. to Germany and Canada, to, which is still international. And to Italy. He said he and was about Italy. to go to Italy for a con. And this other project I'm working on. Yeah. and Just so much stuff all the time. Yes. So Bill continues to be incredibly busy and incredibly energetic. And, you know, someone asked him um, during his Q&A, what makes you feel young? And he said a lot of things. Um, but he said he felt blessed because he still has as much energy as he did when he was younger mm -hmm. for a guy who's, you know, 85 years old. That's amazing. I couldn't do what he does. No. And he gave this really long answer. This yep. is where we got his whole schedule. Yes. Because he was illustrating his energy. And it was like five minutes. And then at the end he goes, so what makes me feel young? My wife. Yep. That was great. That was a wonderful answer. And it was just so funny that he waited till the end. He was very, very quick. He was really on. Yep. Um, and of course, there were, I believe, three assholes. Mm -hmm. And one of them turned out later to be Misha Collins right. from Supernatural. But we were sitting very far back. And frankly, I would not recognize Misha Collins if he sat down next no, to me. No, and apparently Bill didn't recognize him either. No, because so he tweeted. Because he must have been wearing a costume or something. It or was Bill just couldn't. The light, yeah. you know, the light was so poor. It there. was down. Very bad. Very, very bad. And they had... Um, visual uh, they had the two big screens at the side of the stage and the video was totally out of sync mm -hmm. with the audio which was horrendous like right. it was really hard to watch whoever was talking because the the mouth movements were so far off it's just it's discombobulating to watch right. that so that was bad well um when the guy who turned out to be Misha Collins was asking his question apparently the people running the video knew it was him cuz do you remember they tried to show oh, video right. of that, yes. but it was so dark. All we could see was dark, and I you thought, why are they trying to show yeah. this jerk? Yeah. And then, and I posted something in the Shatner group about when you ask Bill a question, <laughs> don't be a jerk. Bill will turn it on you, yes. and the rest of us will laugh at you. And um, and then somebody informed me that was Misha Collins of mm -hmm. Supernatural, mm -hmm. and he and Bill, as I know, I know this part, you know, are always digging at each other, jokingly, jokingly on yes. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, there had been this contest, which we totally forgot to enter, where you were to write lyrics to I'm the Man mm -hmm. for Bill to read. And as he started doing it, these girls in front of us were like squealing and jumping up and down. And I said to one of them, is it yours? Did mm -hmm. you write it? And, and the one couldn't mm -hmm. even speak to me. She was like, ah! And the other one said, no, no, there's a supernatural actor on uh -huh. stage. I was like, oh, okay, so that must have been, yeah. you know, then they recognized Misha Collins. But we were sitting very far back. Yep. So the only way we could see him was um, on the big screens. Mm -hmm. And he did, he looked wonderful. He's wearing what I believe has become his con outfit. His, it always his, involves that leather the jacket. The brown leather jacket. Yes. Which we've which, seen him wear before. Yes, yeah. which I guess he's he's very comfortable in. Yeah. And, he looked good. Um, he was so full of energy. It was great. You know, he just bounded out there and talked and talked and talked and talked. And he he was pretty good this time. I He only told a couple of stories 
that I remember hearing before. He had talked about the motorcycle thing before. We yes. heard him do that. But he mostly talked about the new stuff that he's been doing. Uh, because there's always new stuff. So it was good to hear more new stuff and not so much of the old stuff. Yes, and one of the things he's been working on, his one of his newer documentary projects mm-hmm. that he's working on, is um, he's interviewing tons of people at NASA, yes. scientists, engineers, all these people about what they do, and he also got to interview Stephen Hawking. Yes, that was a great story. And so he told us about that. It, it was just wonderful. And of course, as all of you probably know, Stephen Hawking did appear on TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, he played himself right. in what was a supposed to be a uh, virtual... Ho- yeah, the hologram. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. a hologram uh, poker game, wasn't yep, it? that's yes. right. So he is a, a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill got to interview him, but because, you know, Hawking can't speak, he's got an, an artificial voice, and, and because of his, his various um, disabilities, that there's so little he can do physically, that to answer a question takes a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so they had asked that all the questions be submitted in advance so that he could have his... his his answers already and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of do it more like in real time. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Bill instantly... <laughs> Jumps into interviewer mode. Uh, right, and got, you know, like off track on that. But I guess it was uh, it was totally wonderful. And the greatest thing, and Bill was saying, and I get... He held out his hand and went, I get chills now just, just telling this to you. Um, when we finished, um, Hawking wanted one more thing, and I was like, oh, well, what is it? And Hawking said, you know, after mm-hmm. a 20-minute wait... Would you have dinner with me? Yeah. And so Bill had dinner with Stephen right. Hawking. Which must have been oh. just amazing. The the other thing that I noted that Bill said, he repeated this, was that he made Stephen Hawking laugh twice. twice. And he described how he laughs, how his, his face eyes, turns red. His face turns red, his eyes like crinkle up yep. just a little. Yep. And uh, I thought, so it it just it was very significant to me that that was Bill's greatest accomplishment because he loves to make people laugh, right? He he's always playing the Joker and he's he's playing pranks and doing things to put people at ease. And the fact that he could make Stephen Hawking laugh was clearly a big source of pride for him. Mm-hmm. More than anything else, more than sounding smart or doing anything, he made him laugh. Yes. So yes. good for you, Bill. That was good. Yes, he was he was delightful. He was on. He mm-hmm. was quick. Um, his rapport with the audience, as always, was just mm-hmm. wonderful. And uh, so he was only on a little over an hour. He yep. did not run over like he normally does. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess right after that was autographs, and then after that was uh, photo opportunity. Yeah. So it was great to see him. I'm really glad we yes. went. I'm glad we, we got to see him talk and hear about all the new projects that he's doing. Um, Let's see. He has a, what did he shill? Well, he shilled for his new book several times yes. that he co-wrote with somebody else. And we talked about it on the show before that it's a... Zero G-Men. Zero G-Men, yeah. It's a, a detective novel in outer space. FBI. FBI, that's right. It's the FBI. But they're G-Men. <laughs> Zero G-Men. Zero G-Men. So that sounds crazy. Uh, he talked about this new thing. He called it um, Young Guns of NASA. That's what the new thing is that's called. That's the new thing. Yes. And then he also told... The story quite embellished this time about his motorcycle trip across the United States. That was amusing. And he said he's got a documentary. What did he call it? I don't remember. Something, maybe it's just called The Ride. I, I don't Might know. be. Oh, yeah. So he made or has the film 
for a documentary about his motorcycle ride across the country and he said he's been editing it so mm -hmm. uh, that will be coming out at some point he also talked about the fact that he wanted to do a documentary for the 50th anniversary and could not get Paramount to cooperate with and it. And CBS. And CBS, yeah. like, what the hell? Well, and now this weekend, um, I'm sure those of you who have been online and, you know, our Trek followers, and I can't imagine anybody listening to this <laughs> who isn't, uh, my Facebook feed and emails and everything were full of Star Trek this and Star Trek that. It is huge everywhere. Yeah. People uh, doing events, doing salutes, um, big it, deals with newspapers, festivals, everything else. And at the last minute, CBS Paramount went, oh, we should do something. Mm -hmm. So they threw together some piece of crap, like three minute long yep. video thing, which was totally lame. So the talk has been, these guys once again do not realize that they have something so valuable, they are so bad. They're terrible. At fan service of any kind. They're awful. At capitalizing, not even fan service, on their own property. property. I know. They were, so they're running, even as we speak, they've been running Star Trek on BBC America. They, they started it um, Friday morning, or was it, or Saturday morning? I can't remember. But they started. No, I think it was Thursday, Thurs sometime Thursday, because. Uh, Friday, we were on the road and going to the yeah, maze and That's right. So they started showing right from the beginning of TOS with the first episode. I think it was Thursday night. And it's just been on ever since. So that's there. You can watch Star Trek on the Heroes and Icons channel. You can still watch it on... Um, Netflix. Netflix. You can watch it on... Uh, I think on MeTV they're still showing it. Or on Decades, one of the two. One of those, I mean. yep, yep. So there is so much Star Trek on just TV in addition to what you could get on the internet. And yes, they did absolutely nothing. You know, BBC America, BBC, an English company, <laughs> is mm -hmm. doing more to promote Star Trek than Paramount and, and CBS. What the hell, man? Yeah. Stupid. Bill sounded genuinely annoyed that they would not cooperate because he said he was willing to um, fly to different places and he wanted to talk to people. He wanted to talk to actors, but other people about mm -hmm. that and they wouldn't let them do it. So he said he ended up doing a documentary in Canada without calling it Star Trek, mm -hmm. but which is essentially about the impact that Star Trek has had on the lives of uh, scientists. But it's been like science fiction has yeah. impacted yeah. their lives. But it's all about Star Trek. Everybody's yeah, yeah. going to talk about Star Trek. Oh, so frustrating. Morons. Total morons. Yes. So that was interesting to hear mm -hmm. that. I mean, of all the people that that they have still alive and they won't give him permission to do it, who makes a decision like that? I don't understand. Idiots. It. They're idiots. Total idiots. Do you know, I can, I can almost see him in the boardroom going, um, well, we're doing like a big push. We're releasing Star Trek Beyond. And then... Beyond did not do so well right. at the box office. It did okay. So they're thinking, okay, so we've gone through this and this again, you know, the up and down. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you idiots. They are. They really are. I um, mean, at every single one of these cons for at least the past six months, they should have had something ready. Mm -hmm. First of all, to pay tribute to themselves, you know, for what they've done. And to promote Beyond. Yep. And to promote the new series. Now, I know it's too early in the day for the new series to have any footage for them to, mm -hmm. show, to show us or anything like that. But they could have been showing Beyond footage for sure. at least the past three months. Yeah. Plus, 
I, I did not see. Now, granted, we were at the con one day, but it was Saturday, which is the biggest day of any Absolutely. con. Absolutely. When you, they want to be pushing stuff. I didn't see any advertisements for, like, the Roddenberry Vault. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any advertisements for the, the new DVD set that they are putting out, the 50th, the 50th anniversary DVD set that's now out, which mm-hmm. I'm seeing reviewed. There was nothing. Like, they, they were doing nothing to promote their own product that they could be selling to people. There were lots of people in the vendor's room who were selling licensed merchandise. Mm-hmm. And I think there was the one table that was there from Star StarTrek.com, right? Or am I misremembering? It was like the first table that we were at that had the highest prices. But I think that they were people who were from Star Trek. Oh, were they? Okay, okay. But they didn't have anything special. You know, they had the same stuff that everybody else had there. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how little they care about the conventions. Yeah. It's very disappointing. Yeah. That, that annoyed me. I mean, and, you know, it's fall, but none of the new TV series have started. Mm-hmm. So... Why didn't CBS block out an entire week of evening programming? Yeah. And saying, we're starting with TOS, doing what BBC America is doing, and we're going to show right up all the way through Enterprise. Sure. Or even they could Or a countdown of some kind. Or, or even a best of. You know, there could have been the best t- 10 TOS episodes and the best 10 TNG. Right. They could have done that. But no, they chose to do nothing. Idiots. They are idiots. But despite the fact that they were idiots, we had a great time. Um, we took lots of pictures of the stuff from the vendors' rooms, which was quite amusing. I decided on the spot that I'm starting a new Tumblr Yay! that's called uh, Kirk Not Kirk, and I got the the domain for it and everything. And what it's going to be is just photographs of all of the art and merchandise that is supposed to be Kirk that doesn't look anything like Kirk. Yeah. Because. All of it doesn't look like Kirk. I mean, there's probably three things that I could name that actually look like William Shatner. One is the Mego doll from yep, 1974. Yep, yep. One is the, the new highly articulated doll, uh-huh. which is amazing and really does look like him. And I think there's like one movie poster where it really, truly looks like him. But the rest of the things don't look like him at all. It's crazy. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. So I want to have a blog that's just devoted to photographs of all of the things that don't look like Kirk. Yep. And the only way you would know it was Kirk is that he's got a, a gold command shirt on and a label that says Kirk. Well, and some of them are very much in um, a pose that you recognize. Right. In fact, yeah. you were, we were looking at things and you go, I know exactly what episode they yes. based these on. Right. And that, you know, that tells you. I want to talk about, but wonderful for the new blog, and we will keep reporting on yes. it. Yes. And we all have to go to it. Um, we also saw John and Maria Jose Tenuto's <gasps> yes. presentation on Star Trek Three, which it oh, is for the, the one with four, the whales. Excuse me. <laughs> the one with the whales, which it is the thirtieth. Thirtieth, yeah. I think yeah. He, he said thirtieth. And. That was good. It was so good. They, you know, they're, um, I mean, basically, you know, they're showing a lot of slides, but they're all fun. It's stuff we hadn't seen before, and they're they're talking about, this is how this came to be. This is how this happened. Yeah. They said, but, you know, to understand Star Trek Four, we have to st- tell you something, a little bit about Star Trek Three. Mm-hmm. and I want to ask you a question if the same thing occurred to you that occurred to me. There was a picture of uh, Bill and Leonard and I don't know who else all standing around the captain's chair laughing because Bill had brought an orangutan to the set one morning to 
surprise. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, uh -huh. laugh. Yeah, I was thinking, and this was during the Star Trek three. Uh huh. It wasn't during right, four. Right. And I was thinking, is was that a reference to Scotty's line about three trainees and a monkey could run her the way he had the Enterprise Ooh. wired when they stole it? Huh. See, that instantly popped into my oh, mind. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that. I, I, I was just You just thought Bill had an orangutan well, and said, this will make Leonard laugh. He, he was <laughs> either thinking that or he was, it was, this is like my, my, my headcanon for that. And it probably okay. has nothing to do with reality. Is that Bill was, was saying to Leonard, here's an orangutan who's going to play Captain Kirk. He's probably easier to work with than I am. Uh -huh. <laughs> So I'm 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 apologizing for me being William Shatner and being difficult because I, I think there were some difficulties on three just with you know Leonard being his first thing that he's directing and mm -hmm. Bill sort of bridling a little bit at being directed by a co-star rather than a oh. director. Oh, okay. I think I had read that somewhere, but not like they were having arguments or anything, mm -hmm. but just uh, to say, yeah, this orangutan can be a uh, a better Kirk than I can be, or you know, just in a joking way, I think. But I, don't, I have no idea. I never knew that before, that he brought an orangutan. Yes. What the heck? That's so yes. weird. But um, John and Maria Jose did a beautiful, beautiful job, as usual. Yeah. Um, we did not get a chance to talk to them, and that is completely my fault, and I feel bad, and I also have to write him a little email apologizing for being such a screw-up. But um, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely wonderful. It, it told the story of the movie, told how it came to be, where the ideas came from, the writing, uh, the original ideas for stuff that happened in the script, mm -hmm. um, some of the casting things, filming on location. That was really interesting about mm -hmm. how they filmed it in these different places. And Oh, and they were, were saying one of the reasons they did a, a time travel story was <laughs> right. they thought it would be a cost saving. Right. Because you wouldn't have to build all these sets. You could have them be at real places. Sure. And that turned out to have uh, its own expenses and challenges. Exactly. Well, you know, it's really different filming in San Francisco than it is in, you know, Vancouver or, mm -hmm. or even Los Angeles, I would say, just because mm -hmm. it's a very small city and... There's a lot of things happening, and there's cable cars and little yes. tiny streets, and it's not like you can just divert traffic because in some places there is no way to divert the traffic. Like yep. you can't make it go a different place. Doesn't. And go like they were place. pointing out, how also all the wick work had to be done quickly because yeah. if you started filming in the morning with morning light, mm -hmm. you wanted to get it done before it changed to afternoon light. Yeah, it had to match. Everything yeah. had to match. So it was cool to see the behind-the-scenes photographs of, of them doing the mm -hmm. location filming and then also uh, at the Monterey Bay Aquarium where they, they did a lot of the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then showing how this, <coughs> excuse me, the scenes at the aquarium were then intercut with scenes on the Paramount lot pretty seamlessly. Yes. I mean, yes. I, when you're watching it, you never feel like you're in two places, right? It's all done so that you really feel like you're in one place. And as John pointed out, this was pre-CGI. Yep. There's like maybe a few little things, but almost all of it. It's matte paintings. Yes, it's matte paintings, and they're they're beautiful and they're realistic and. Yep. Just incredible. He said that um, when the movie opened, there were people protesting because uh, they felt like it was wrong of them to get so close to whales and to use whales in a movie and not realizing that they weren't actually real whales. They were mechanical whales. They were mechanical whales. whales. There were no whales in the movie, no real whales. That, yeah, that... 
Do your research before you protest things. Yes, find out something. <laughs> but it, it was really interesting to get all the background, you know, mm -hmm. when they went to the the, uh, the plastics factory. Yes. This is a place that actually makes custom right. plastic. And they make the plastic for the giant tanks at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. So yes. that was like, oh, that's so perfect. That okay, we'll yeah. go there. That yes, was good. Yes, yep. and how they, um, of course, they had to get the permission from the Navy and everything yep. to... To film, they they wanted to use the ship, the Enterprise, mm -hmm. but they couldn't yep. because what it was doing at that time was top secret. Yep, and so they had to, you know, use another ship. But you know, they actually went out to Alameda and mm -hmm. filmed there on the naval base. Yep, very very cool stuff. So mm -hmm. I I love seeing the behind the scenes things and yes. just hearing about how the script evolved and there were different choices that they made as far as. Um, what the characters might be doing and I, I had read before about the fact that they Paramount originally wanted it to be an Eddie Murphy vehicle yes and that idea sounded like it could be a good movie but not a Star Trek movie and as, as John pointed out it would have made Eddie Murphy the star and Star Trek as the secondary characters mm -hmm. and then it's not a Star Trek movie right right so I'm so glad that just, it didn't happen. It did not happen. I also found it um, very interesting that, and I'd heard this before, but you know, these are just stories we love hearing over mm -hmm. and over. Is that when um, Leonard was asked to direct this, like they pointed out, Star Trek Three was his first, not his first directing assignment mm -hmm. ever. He'd done TV and theater, but it was his first movie, and so Paramount was really watching him very, very closely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Star Trek Three did fantastic. They said, okay, training wheels are off. You direct the next one. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And his idea was he wanted to get back to Gene's vision of Star Trek is really about our contemporary time, our contemporary problems. So he wanted to deal with something like that, which was killing off a species. Mm -hmm. He had just read a book about species being interdependent on each other mm -hmm. and losing one entire species impacts mm -hmm. everything. He didn't want there to be a bad guy. Yep. He didn't want there to be fights and shootouts. And he said also the past two movies, you know, wonderful movies were very serious even though they had their lighter moments. He said, I want everybody to have fun. Mm -hmm. And he did all those things. He did all those things. It turned out to be exactly right and probably next to Wrath of Khan, everybody's favorite, mm -hmm. just because it is so lighthearted and it's a movie that kids can enjoy as well. Well, and, and it's the one that did very well with people who were not Trekkies. Right, right. You don't have to know anything about Star Trek to, to go to and go see this and movie enjoy and enjoy that. it. Yep, everything is explained in a way that's completely understandable. And if you are a Star Trek fan and you know what went before, there's additional stuff you can enjoy. Yes. But you don't have to know anything to see Coincidentally, it. I just read a brief article like two days ago with um, Walter Koenig, and he said his favorite of the Star Trek movies was four, four. Uh, partially because, you know, Chekhov actually had things to yeah, do, yeah. he had its moments, but he said also he felt in many ways it was the tourist to Gene's vision because of the social commentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. It definitely felt, it feels a lot more classic Trek, I mm -hmm. think, but, but with a lot of fun. It feels like the trouble with Tribbles, you know, it's a sort of... Yes. The characters are the characters, but there's a, a, a more lighthearted aspect, and it's not like Balance of Terror where everything it could go horribly wrong at any moment. Right. It's not that kind of space battle thing. Well, and also the, the two and three were both very much about 
the characters' relationships to each other, yes. that they were a family. Yeah. And then this was more about their relationship to their world mm -hmm. and Star Trek as it relates to our world. Mm -hmm. So it was an entirely different world view. Yeah. But both very true to Star Trek. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Um, speaking of things like that, I wanted to mention before we forget that before Bill came on and even before John Tenuto, uh, John Delancey was talking. Oh, yes, yes. And so we caught the end of his talk and uh, he was in a good mood, which yes. was nice, and yes. he was answering questions. And he told a little story that we both thought was really interesting. He was asked by, um, I think, Variety, uh, as part of the 50th anniversary, mm -hmm. what his favorite Star Trek episode was of the original series. And he said, um, being provocative but honest, that, oh, yes. that it was Spock's brain. <laughs> and the reason he said it, and, and when he was giving his answer, you and I were both like, yes, that's exactly right. Because he said it was an example of... What happens when you give really good actors a really shitty script? <laughs> he didn't say shitty, but he, he said mm -hmm. not some, something that was good. But there they are. They're giving 100%. They're doing their best. They're trying to make something out of this completely ridiculous situation in the script. And they're selling it. They're selling it as mm -hmm. hard as they possibly can. Just prior to that, he had been. someone asked him what his favorite episodes of, of TNG were and what he liked. And he said, you know... There were some that I really liked because they were really good, but I was always, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing because that's mm -hmm. what you do when you're an actor. Like, you, yes. you take what you're given and you make the most out of it. Yes. And that's why he liked Spock's brain because you can see it. It's, mm -hmm. it's all there. It's like, yep, this is a ridiculous story, but God damn it, we're going to get in there and we're going we're gonna to act the hell out of this. And, you know, Leonard had said similar things when he was talking about Bill that they were given sometimes these crap scripts and they'd do the first reading and it was like, oh my God. And Bill was just like, this is script we've got. Let's do it. Let's you know, gung-ho. Um, but I have, I have said frequently, and I think probably on the show, I can watch Spock's brain. Mm -hmm. I can't watch those damn space hippies. <laughs> I can't watch the ones with the, the children and Marvin Belli. Uh -huh. They are just so bad. And Spock's brain, as Delancey was saying, by virtue of its badness, has challenged the actor to such mm -hmm. an extent. And nobody's phoning it in. Mm -hmm. And I've said, that's what makes great camp. The harder the actors try to make it work. Right, right. The, the more entertaining it becomes. Yeah. But you have to respect them. There's no winking at the camera or a little bit of an eye roll like, oh, fuck, you know, no. my ship that I love like a woman, <laughs> you know, none of that. Well, I think the other thing, too, is Spock's brain, uh, it's its them, they're on screen the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, there's no secondary plot, which there is in the Space Hippies one, right? And in the Children in the, Shall the children, Leave. There's, those ones have too much time spent with the guest actors. Mm -hmm. And sure, they're trying their best, but like, we don't care because they're just the guest actors. Mm -hmm. If those if somehow those episodes had focused more on Kirk and Spock and McCoy, we might be able to watch those yes. just because they would be, have more to do and, and they would be mm -hmm. carrying the episode along. But the Space Hippies one in particular, in my memory, which could be completely wrong, about a third of that episode doesn't even have our main characters in it, right? It's the Space Hippies talking to each other. There's that long scene where they do the song in, in right? And... Spock's just playing his thing, but 
they're not Spock's not doing anything right and then there's the whole thing with Chekhov and his ex-girlfriend right so we get right. a lot of Chekhov but like where's Kirk where's McCoy I want to see Kirk Kirk's character is so badly written in yes. that one it's so non-Kirk mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that just makes it appalling yeah for me you know, if you're not, if you're going to have William Shatner there and say he's Kirk and he's not real Kirk and he's hardly there anyway, well, I'm not watching that. Exactly, especially the he's hardly there part. That that yeah. for me is the big thing. Yes. <sighs> so all of that was great, and while we were at the hotel, we watched um, what Star Trek episode did we watch? <laughs> we have watched. Oh, wasn't it? Didn't so... we watch Errand of Mercy, or was that a different night? Well, we did watch Errand of Mercy at some point. At some point, we watched Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Um, Errand of Mercy, we just, we love. Oh, it's so good. We still love. Yep. Um, great all around. Great all, yes, great all around episode. This is something we wanted to talk with, uh-huh. talk to our listeners about. Um, I had been thinking about if I had godlike oh, superpowers. Oh, yes. uh-huh. And because, you know, the, there are many situations, things going on here in the United States and in the world that are very worrying and in some ways, the easiest way to deal with them is to fantasize about, okay, if I could make it better, what could I do? Yes. You know, and I said, you know, I would make weapons just stop working, mm-hmm. like they disintegrate right. or something. And, uh, and I said, I would be like the Organians. And what was <laughs> your thing? Well, my thing was, um, I would make it so that when you went to hurt um, another person, or not even a person, I mean, it could be like an animal. Whatever thing that you were, were, were doing, you felt the effect of it. So if you hit someone, you would feel the effect of your punch on someone. And I think that would just stop people from doing all the terrible things. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be pretty, not masochistic, but you'd have to want to hurt somebody pretty hard. And also, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be accomplishing your goal. I mean, if you're hitting someone to hurt them and they're not getting hurt by it and you're the one getting hurt, what is it's the like, point of doing why it? Why are you hitting yourself? Why you hitting yourself? yourself? And by the way, it doesn't work in reverse. You can't hit yourself and then have someone else feel the pain <laughs> from it. It doesn't work like that. And I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think I was probably wrong. And I said, But I said, then you're like the Corbomite maneuver. Because I was thinking part of that was... Um, the effect of whatever you do to the enterprise like bounces back and is magnified ten times. Yeah. But they, but we were. What were we watching last a night? A deadly with, years. Oh no, 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 no! It Kirk was a uses it, thing that, again. That's right. Uh, no, Journey to Babel, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. No, because he rushes onto the bridge. That Commodore has totally screwed things oh, up. Oh, that's right. You're right. And the Romulans have broken code. That's user. you're right. You're right. I've right. Been, we've been watching too many episodes oh, lately, my and God, it's like yes. I'm trying to get them all straight. But no, you're right. And they mentioned Corbomite, and he said it would um, make the the whole surrounding area. You know, people would have to stay away from it for four, four years. Four solar years. Yeah, yeah. Nobody could go there. So it's basically like a nuclear explosion that destroys mm-hmm. everything in the immediate vicinity mm-hmm. yourself and anything any ship that happens to be close to you and he goes execute in one minute i was like oh that's not very much time is it you know <laughs> you better skedaddle out of here um deadly years was a bad episode god i just want to slap jan wallace so bad oh she's so bad and then i was saying i had not noticed this before but why is it when kirk gets to be an old man in 15 minutes and now he's got gray hair he starts talking like grandpa simpson (laughs) 
And my Why? boy is saying, oh can't. He's like, you his, can't do that, Jim boy. His, his southern accent suddenly has gone mm-hmm. full-scale hillbilly like it never was before. <laughs> Jeez, like those are not good acting choices. I'm sorry. No, no, and the the makeup is so oh, appalling. Bad. Really, really. The makeup, bad. the wigs, the whole thing is awful. And the only thing that redeems that episode is that um, when Kirk gets his shot of adrenaline, you get to see his writhing crotch on screen for yes. a minute or so. That was good. And that was good. Yeah, by turning on BBC America, we've seen bits and pieces of Where No Man. Yeah. You know, which we adore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, my God, my brain is just track full I know. of trackness. There's, there's so much track. So last night we, we did, uh, we were organized and we watched The Trouble with Tribbles, which was wonderful. Cause, and, you know, it's funny, as we watched it, we were looking for the syndication cuts, and there are very few. Mm-hmm. They must be right at the beginnings and the ends, like just of, be- of trims. Yeah, yep. so it's there's not a lot in that where we both went, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of interesting. But uh, we watched that, and then we watched, last night, we watched Trials and Tribulations, the DS9 episode. And then we watched two really good documentaries about it that were yes. on um, the... Uh, remastered new special effects DVD that has Trouble mm-hmm. with Tribbles on it. It's got, it, so it has Trouble with Tribbles, it has the DS9 episode, and it has two documentaries right. about uh, Trials and Tribulations. And I had totally forgotten that that was done for the 30th anniversary. That's, I forgot that too, yeah. Yes. So 20 years ago, man. Oh, uh, now I feel so old. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, it was so interesting because they did such seamless work. First of all, script-wise, yeah. of incorporating these people into it. But also the, the the camera work, the green screen work, everything just works so perfectly. And the part I was enjoying the most in the documentary when they were talking about that and showing it was we got to see a little bit of it in progress. Yes. And so the scene where uh, Dax and Cisco have had to go up to the bridge. Mm-hmm. So they're in the bridge with Kirk and Spock and everybody else and where Dax has to like walk behind Kirk and look at him and come down the steps. Well, before they do the finished product, there's several interim yeah. things. And so they showed at least one of those. And she looked like she walked right through them. Yes. And that makes her look like she's a little tiny, like, Tinkerbell. <laughs> you know, like, flitting it around totally her. Did, yeah. It was really cool. It was cool. It was so much fun. And, and I, they talked about how the actors were so yes, thrilled to do yes. this. And they worked so hard. And they said, and in that scene in particular, Terry Farrell had to go down steps, look at Kirk, walk behind him, look at him again, come down the steps, and it all had to be done. Perfect sequence, absolutely right, so it would look like she was really there, and it was like, she was, yep, let's do it over and over, no problem. And she did it, everybody did it, and they just loved it. You could tell as they were interviewing the actors how thrilled they were to be doing this, Mm -hmm. because they're all Star Trek geeks, and they got to wear the uniforms, and have the phasers, and the communicators, mm-hmm. the props and everything. Oh, and Terry uh, Farrell talked about, you know, the first day of filming that she's got the beehive, yeah. she's got the skirt on, and she goes, and we hadn't seen the set yet. And we walk into that hallway, and it was like, we're here. We're on the Enterprise. We're on Kirk's Enterprise. I also think one of the great things they did in that episode was to delay... The first appearance of yes, Kirk and Spock. Totally, uh, yeah. They were like halfway through. I know, because I was waiting. Because they were, Kirk, and that Kirk? was realistic. Yeah. We're trying to stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be down in the lower depths pretending we're fixing things, 
you know. It was great. Um, I loved that uh, Ron Moore said that Dax was their proxy mm-hmm. and that they wrote that character as them, essentially. So, like, if you really did get to go back, you'd want to do everything. Like, you'd want to meet Kirk and talk to him and go meet Kuloth and and run around the ship and play with all the stuff. And, you know, they keep having to pull her back and go, no, like, we can't call attention to ourselves. It's like, yep. but I want to yep. do all this stuff, which is exactly what you'd want to do, of course, if you were there. Yep. And there is a great joke in there that I'd forgotten about, so I just laughed when mm-hmm. it came up again, was when... um. Call Meany. What is his character, Chief? Uh, O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Right. No, or O'Brien. O'Brien, sorry. Okay, so Chief... Because we saw two episodes with Riley in it now. Uh-huh. I've got his name stuck okay, in Okay, so um, Chief O'Brien yes, and Worf and is it Odo are mm-hmm. all in the bar. Mm-hmm. And they see <laughs> Chekhov, Scotty, and somebody else come in. <laughs> O'Brien goes, that's him. That's Kirk. I'm going to buy him a drink. Right, and Bashir's like... <laughs> and it turns out he's not just, I know, but she was going, are you sure that's Kirk? And then he goes, why does he have lieutenant stripes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Maybe that's not like, him. I'm going to buy him a drink. Nobody is buying <laughs> anybody any drinks. Because that joke gets totally overshadowed by them questioning Worf um, why Klingons. Because yes. there were Klingons in Barney. They didn't even know they yeah. were Klingons. They're like, so So that's the joke everybody remembers because that is very very clever yep it's so good everything about that episode is so good including i mean right off at the start when they get the visit by the temporal police who come to do it and and they're totally being fbi agents or or joe friday really yes like zero sense of humor and and just taking notes and being all and they even say just the truth and i went don't you mean just the facts (laughs) and they probably originally wrote just the facts and somebody said no that's too broad you can't do that and then and then they say something like um when oh what did they ask cisco and it's like um He's, and Cisco says, "Yeah, I, we didn't affect the timeline whatsoever." And then they're like, "Yeah, everybody says that. <laughs> yeah, we hate that." <laughs> <laughs> and so I, funny. I think the first time I ever saw that was with you, because I didn't watch DS Nine. Yeah, and um, all I could think of the first time I saw it was the library cop from Seinfeld. Yes, <laughs> and now that episode comes on. And so I've got this extra layer of mm-hmm. really funny, you know, guys who are just completely over the top with the seriousness oh, of their job. so humorless. And when they, you know, you mentioned Kirk, they go, the man was a menace. menace. 17 <laughs> temporal <laughs> violations, you know. So disgusted. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, that Kirk is one of the reasons Starfleet invented temporal <laughs> police. police. <laughs> Because he didn't care. Like, whatever. We'll yeah. just go back in time. It's fine. Everything's yeah, at fine. At that point, probably the Federation initially, because they didn't think time travel was really possible, had no rules against That's it. That's right. <laughs> right. And they were like, oh, my God. this man, He is a menace. We have to stop this. <laughs> so very, very, very funny. Um, I thought that I had read somewhere, and maybe this was fanfic, because my memory is so hazy at this point, but there's a very funny part where, where Worf talks about the... Um, the uh, the great triple hunt. Yeah, no, he talks about it in the episode. So he talks about they it, sent warriors to out to exterminate, exterminate them, and they destroyed the triple hunt. Right. So I think I read somewhere that um, B 
because the joke at the end, of course, is that now DS9 is infested with Tribbles. Yes, and the, they, they brought because they brought them back, back. Yeah. and now there are thousands of them, and it's just like the end of TOS, where Cork mm-hmm. um, is sitting there and he's got Tribbles all piled on. That um, that adventure uh, was uh, they repopulated Tribbles throughout the universe, so they they found a new planet for them to live on, and. And and they had like a triple refuge, and so that's fanfic because that didn't happen. But I'm loving this. But I, it might have been in a novel, like in a real mm. DS9 novel, mm-hmm. you know. So it, maybe it's canon. I guess it depends on how seriously you take the the novels, like whether right. they count. But yeah, the, some writer took off on that, and and it was just a side note saying, and that was the beginning of reintroducing triples to the universe, and everyone was so happy about it. Because, <laughs> except Klingons. Except the Klingons, but who cares about them? But yep. yeah, so they, uh, triples were back again because of that episode. Yes. Oh, we have got to tell this story. I think it was Ron Moore told this story. And when they were coming up with the ideas, and they were in a pizza place. Oh yeah, that was a good story. And he's going, well, we've got to get Charlie Brill back. Uh-huh. You know, they were going, well, what characters can we bring back from... The original episode, we've got to get Charlie Brill back, who played Arn Garvin. And he looks, and there's Charlie Brill ordering a pizza. (laughs) And Charlie Brill tells basically the same story. I'm up there ordering a pizza, and Ron Moore comes up to Mm. me and didn't tell him much. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, you know, they weren't sure what they were doing or anything. But, I mean, it all worked out. It's like... God, and they said it was like the universe was saying, "Yes, do this. You have to do this. Do you this must thing. do this." Yes. Yep, so good, so very good. So I want to, um, not today because we've already got stuff to watch, but sometime when we're together, we really have to watch the DS9 episode with all of the old Klingon commanders. I was thinking that you have told me about that, and yeah. I've never seen well, it. Well, DS9 is on Netflix, so if we feel like watching mm-hmm. a thing tonight, we could watch it. It's very good. It's not. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny in the way that Trials and mm-hmm. Tribulations is done. But seeing those actors come back, including um, the guy who played Koloff. What's his name? Uh, William? Uh, Campbell. Campbell, thank you. He's wonderful. So I guess they could have gotten him back for Trials and Tribulations if they wanted to have Koloff be in there. But it was better to have Darwin because he was a more subtle, you know. Yes. It, yes. I think it was a better choice of plot. It, it definitely was. Mm-hmm. For for him to have had this idea of going back in time to kill yeah, Kirk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Um, one other thing that we watched while we were at the con was this terrible movie <laughs> called Left Behind. Okay, we, we need to backtrack a little. Okay. Lena knows this, the rest of you may not know it, but I love bad Nicolas Cage Of which there are many. Many to choose from. Of which there are many, where he's just like over the top, and, you know, it's it's not technobabble. It's something else he does, but he just spouts off crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy shit. And I just love it. He's great. And so, you know, there's this movie that just came out. It's, you know, called Left Behind, Mm -hmm. and it's based on these... The books. Rapture novels. Uh And and he's a, a... Pilot, Air, airline pilot. Airline pilot. And, you know, you said, hey, it's on Netflix. And I was like, we must watch this. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. It was so boring. Oh, he never went crazy. He never he went crazy. Calm. I was so disappointed. You know, my little hobby on the side is reading about these Left Behind books and watching the bad um, direct-to-DVD movies with Kirk Cameron. 
So I had watched the first Kirk Cameron movie and then saw this. Now, they're very different because the whole plot of the Nicolas Cage movie is basically the first 10 pages of the book of a, of a like, 400-page book. Right. It's right. a very long book, and that's only one little part. But somehow they made that into the movie. And um, it's just so boring. Like, if you're going to hire Nicolas Cage to be in a movie... Give him something to do. There was a very funny review that we read online that says he just sits there inert. Yes. You know, like with that terrible wig that he's wearing also. And he's had, I believe, some bad plastic surgery. I agree. And the eyebrows look drawn on. And yeah. I said, he looked like that last husband of Liza Minnelli. Yes. And you went, oh, my God, David Guest. You pulled up a picture <laughs> of him, and we were both, you know, looking back and going, oh, Jesus. He does. He really looks like that. So we were sad that we wanted to watch a bad movie so we could laugh at it, and it just ended up being boring. Boring. Well, well, now we've seen it, and we never have to watch it again. Yay! So that's done. It's crossed off the list. Good. Yep. Very good. So we did watch a little bit of, of Journey to Babel um, mm-hmm. because it was on while you were shopping or something, so I, I had it on while right. I was relaxing. And it was fun to see that. Um, and, and we got to see Kirk bounce off the wall. We did. Yep. So he hit him with his butt. He really does. Right in the face with the butt. And we got to see Spock and McCoy snarking at each other. Yes. And we got to see. I was amazed looking at Jane Wyatt at what a small, petite individual she is. She's mm-hmm. just teeny weeny inside her Amanda Well, and clothes. we've seen, you know, like the Kirk and Uhura costumes from that time and going, oh, my God, they're such small people to start out with. Yes. But she looks small next to them. Imagine what she was like in yeah, real life. Like, yeah. oh, my God, amazing. So it was a good episode to, to see that again. And, um, oh, was it that one? No, no, when we were watching um, Naked Time, I was just thinking about the scene where McCoy's doing surgery mm-hmm. on, on the guy who stabs himself with the butter knife. Yes. And how he doesn't ask. It's completely silent. He's not asking Chapel for anything. He's just putting his hand down, and she's slapping things into his hand, and it's like mash or something. Like, do you really have to throw the things, like, whap, into his hand? It was on TV, so you do. On TV, you do. So that's how you know that yes. they're doing surgery. Here, here's my hand. Just yes. give me something. I don't know what it is. Yes. Give, give me a phaser. Just whap. See, now they should have done something funny like had a Galaxy Questy, like have her slap a speculum into his hand. Oh, that would have been. And a power drill. Oh. And a stapler. And an electric toothbrush. <laughs> it would have been so good. Oh, my God. So it's been so much Trek this weekend. It's mm-hmm. just great. And we have more, more Trek that more, we're going to do. more, more stuff to do. <sighs> All right, I need to take a break from talking because oh, I'm very too. tired. Me too. <laughs> so we're going to watch some more stuff. And um, then this is a whole show. This is like an hour. We've been talking for an hour. Okay. So let's we're end this here. two, three shows out of this I think this so. Weekend. So um, thanks for listening. We had a great time at the con. Go look at the pictures if you haven't already. And uh, we'll be back soon with yet another show of more shit that we're doing. Live long and prosper. Yes, potluck. Potluck. I got confused.